0: to 1 Peter chapter 4, the first service of 2024. I love it. Amen. Let's start this off right. Let's get our thinking straight. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verse 12, we're going to start at here. Hallelujah. And it says, Beloved, Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, For the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed. But on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will the end be of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God... Commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. Now today I want to talk about this. What does it mean to suffer as a Christian? What does it mean to suffer? Say suffer. Now the word suffer means this. It's defined as this. To experience or be subjected to something bad or unpleasant. All right, that's what suffering means. But I want to say this right off the bat. Are you ready for this? It is not the will of God for you to suffer with things that Christ has redeemed you from. Dead religion will tell you that. Are you following me? Come on now. The devil has perverted this topic so much that many Christians think they're bringing glory to God. By holding on to a sickness or a disease in their body or something, you know, wild emotionally. But look it up for yourself. You want some? Do some homework. Look it up for yourself. Everywhere in the Word of God that talks about sickness, disease, and bondage and that kind of suffering, that's called a curse. A curse. But every time someone was healed, every time someone was delivered, every time someone was set free, it brought glory to God. Amen? Now, there are some denominations that make leaders vow to poverty. Say vow of poverty. Isn't that ridiculous? All right, they make some do a vow of poverty when they enter the ministry. And the Word of God, by the way, refers to poverty as a curse. Say curse. See, one thing that we have to break in the body of Christ is a mindset of the spirit of poverty. I'm not talking about you have to have a mansion. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the mindset that says that I cannot walk in the things of God and what He has for me. It goes well beyond. I'm not talking about about material things right now. I'm talking about walking in the blessing of God. Amen? So uh, today, so living your life in the curse does not bring glory to God. Jesus came to deliver us from the curse of the law. I'm talking about, when I'm talking about suffering as a Christian, what does that mean? What does that mean? Now, I'm going to talk about that, but there's some, listen to this. Um, When you start to get into things that are unscriptural, it's going to open up a curse in your life, all right? Uh, The Catholic religion, they said that leaders cannot marry. Now, I don't know, have they changed that or anything? Anybody up to date on the Catholics here? No, I don't know. But last I knew that they said they couldn't marry, right? But the Bible says it's better to marry than to burn. Hello, somebody. So, by the way, the apostle Peter was married because it said he had a mother-in-law that Jesus healed. Amen? So the result of straying from the Word of God, all right, is that many of those ministers fell into perversion. Hello? You've seen it on the news. Any time a person, a church, a denomination decides to stray from the Word of God by adding or taking away from its message is going to bring disastrous results. Amen? Go with me to Revelation 22. Let me show you something here. Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19 here. And it says... For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the, of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life." from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Now, so what is God trying to tell us? He's saying, don't alter my message. Don't put man-made restrictions on what I have allowed. Because it's going to open the door to the enemy in your life. Amen? Don't alter it. Stick with the pure Word of God. Don't read what you believe. Believe what you read. Believe what you read. So, you will, by the way, suffer as a Christian. How? You ready? You will be persecuted. You will be slandered. There will be false accusations coming your way. You will be hated and shunned by family members, hello, because of your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. You will even be backstabbed by fellow Christians. You know what we call that? Friendly fire. All the military people know what that means, right? Too much friendly fire in the body of Christ. Amen? It's bad enough that we have to deal with the world and all that evil junk. But when it comes from within the family of God, that is absolutely tragic. Amen? I believe with all my heart that there is a mighty move of God coming. And Carol, the Holy Ghost used her to prophesy that this morning. There is a mighty move of God that is about to be unleashed on this earth and in this area like never before. But with that, are you ready? There is going to be a tremendous amount of persecution against the body of Christ. And we need to prepare for it and we need to expect it. Go back to 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, and I want to look at 12 through 14. Let's just, let's break this down here. Say persecution. Just as true as any of the other promises in the Word of God. Persecution is a promise that's going to happen to you. But listen, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of the sufferings that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of the glory and of God rest upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. So the word of God tells us right off the bat, look, when these trials start to come your way, when you're taking a stand for Jesus Christ, listen, when that persecution comes, don't think it's strange. Don't look up in God and say, God, what's happening? You know what's happening. He's telling us right here, don't be caught off guard with it. Amen? All right. In fact, it says that you are blessed and you are to rejoice because of the sufferings of Christ. Jesus was persecuted. Amen? I find this interesting. He said, on the person's part that's persecuting you, Jesus is being blasphemed. But on your part, he's being glorified. Isn't that interesting that both sides of the coin can happen at the same time? When someone's coming against you, you're glorifying Christ, but they're blaspheming him. Amen? All right, now look at verse 19 of 1 Peter 4. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. So Jesus desires His followers to be so committed to Him and to His message to the point that they will not back down to stand up against unrighteousness on this earth. Now, I want to encourage you to not back down when you're being persecuted for your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the written word of God. Stand your ground and count it as an honor to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ and the word of God and to be persecuted for it. Oh, oh, Christians, oh, I want to be blessed. God, bless me, bless me. He said, you are blessed when you're persecuted. But do we think of it that way? No, 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 we don't. Look at look at first Peter four fifteen. Look at this. See, this is where we're trying to renew your mind with the word. Well, you gotta see things, you've got to see a perspective from the word of God and not your flesh. Listen to this. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. So this verse is saying that we as Christians can bring upon ourselves a suffering that's not godly suffering. Do you see that? All right. Not all persecution is good. Because sometimes we're stupid and we just bring it upon ourselves. Amen. Because verse 16 goes on to say that if anyone suffers as a Christian, meaning godly suffering... It says, "Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. Amen. You, listen, you will suffer for ungodliness and sin in your life. There's a payday for it. Are you following me? There is a payday. Eventually, the payday comes. That 's the thing. A sin is kind of like uh, a credit card. Oh boy, it 's fun to have that card and go spend it and burn that plastic, but eventually the bill's going to come. And then you're going to be like, what did I just do? Amen? I don't know about you, but I would rather suffer for taking a stand for Jesus than suffering for sin in my life. Amen? Amen? So Jesus gave his followers a little pep talk about persecution when he walked this earth in his earthly ministry. Go to John 15. John 15. See, whenever there's a great move of God, there's also going to be great persecution with it. Because it's how great the move of God is going to be. Even the dead being raised, there's always going to be someone who's going to come against it. Amen? John 15, 18 through 21. Jesus said these words. He said, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, or shouldn't be, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep your word also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. Now, so he said, if the world, if if you were like the world, the world would accept you and love you. Think about that. See, now here you go. Ready for this? This is a test on whether you're being a faithful ambassador to Jesus Christ or not. Is there any persecution in your life for standing up for Jesus? When's the last time you got persecuted for standing up for Jesus? If you were in the court of, in a court of law right now and you were trying to, they were trying to convict you to be a Christian, would there be enough evidence? Well, one of the pieces of evidence is this, you will be persecuted for taking a stand. There are too many Christians and too many uh, churches that are conforming to the world rather than the Word of God. See, here's what you've got to ask yourself. Hey, am I going against the worldly flow or am I flowing with the worldly flow? Because I guarantee you, if you're going against it, someone's not going to like that very much. See, but there's a watering down going on among many Christians because here's why. They would rather have the praises and acceptance of people than God Almighty. See, we just don't go out. We're not just going out and being jerks to people as Christians. Come on, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about taking a godly stand with the right motives. Are you following me? Don't be a jerk for Jesus. Right? Right? <laughs> Come on. The motive motive is a heart that's truly standing for righteousness. And God knows the difference. So if you're just being a jerk for Jesus and you're getting persecuted, good. You deserve it. Right? But here's the problem. If you have the right motives and you're being bold standing for righteousness, you're still going to be persecuted. Because people are not going to understand it. Right, I mean people in the library think it's okay to have pornography in the children and teens section And when I got up and was bold about it standing for righteousness They that they thought this guy's a jerk. Who is this guy? Who does he think he is right? I'm taking a stand for the lord jesus christ. That's what i'm doing. Amen, Amen. So you got to understand the difference and god knows your motives of why you're doing things. Amen so, um So don't go and be a jerk for Jesus. Go to Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Say, I won't be a jerk for Jesus. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. (laughs) Uh, Matthew 13, 20 through 21. You got to love God more than the praises of people. Here it goes. Jesus said this. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root, say root. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation, here it is, or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, I want you to notice that the person stumbles at per- when persecution comes because the word of God hasn't taken root in their heart. Think about this now. What does that mean? It means that they heard the words, but they missed the spirit behind the words. Are you following me? Uh, come on, right? They heard the word, but it didn't soak in. It didn't take root. They didn't catch the spirit of that word. They haven't allowed the word of God to go deep enough in their heart for it to make a change in their perspective and life. See, the word needs to change your perspective on life. If the word is not impacting your perspective, there's no root on the inside of you from the word. Okay? So that's why when someone comes up and says the sinner's prayer, right, and, and they go back and some, you know, they try to take a stand and all of a sudden you know, persecution comes and they go back into the world, there was no root. Listen, that is the difference between a believer and a disciple. That is it, that, that's in it for the commitment for the long term. Listen to this now. The believer just wants the benefits, the blessings, not the consequences of a life that's truly committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus said, go out and make disciples. He didn't say just go out and make believers. Come on. He said, go out and make disciples, people who allow the Word of God to change their perspective on everything they're seeing in this life based on the written Word of God. See, here's... Oh, the Holy Ghost said this. Are you ready for this? God rewards disciples, not believers. Oh, come on. God rewards disciples, not believers. Now, how can I, how can you say that, Pastor James? What are you talking about? Here's what what I'm basing it on. You ready for this? God is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek Him. Those are the Christians that allow the Word of God to truly grow roots in their heart and change their life. If the Word of God is not Not affecting your actions, what in what you think, say, and do, there's no root, it's shallow. Come on, here we go. Listen to this. Someone needs to hear this this morning. Disappointment occurs in a person's life with failed expectations. Mm. Boom, listen. Disappointment happens in a person's life when there are failed expectations, okay? If you have wrong expectations in life, you will constantly live a life of disappointment and heartache. People get... Oh, come on. Here we go. Let's dig right into it. Let's get right into this. Can pastor meddle a little bit? Okay, here. Good. All right. This is what you pay me for, remember. All right, listen. People get disappointed by their spouse because they thought marriage would solve all their problems in life. When in fact, it adds to the mess of their life because they haven't cleaned themselves yet and they expect the other one to be perfect. See, people, people are more in love with the idea of the marriage ceremony and not living life with them. Whoa! Right? (laughs) Bridezilla? Any Bridezillas in here? They're more in love with the idea of walking down that aisle. And then when real life happens, when the reception's over and they go home with that person, they're like, what in the heck did I just do? (laughs) Listen, don't expect a spouse to fill the role of Jesus Christ in your life. They're not perfect. Jesus is the only one that's perfect. Amen? So it adds to your issues and problems when you find out what marriage truly is, it's two flawed individuals with different personalities and desires and issues that are living together in the same home. That you've got to work through those issues. Well, I didn't think it was going to be like this. Hollywood told me it would be wonderful. <laughs> All these shows I watch on TV, they said it was going to be amazing. It was going to be bliss. Come on now. That's the deception of Hollywood. In fact, Hollywood's so deceptive. Listen, You know, you hear it on all these shows, American Idol. You're going to Hollywood! And it's some, you know, in your mind, the perception they try to make is that it's so glorious. It's a dump. When we're in Hollywood, walking the walk of fame, and all, it's an absolute dump. But that's the power of media. That's the power of media. Oh, it's glorious. Oh, you're going to Hollywood. Yeah, you're going to a trash heap is where you're going. That's a den of demons. Hello, somebody. P- listen to this. People get disappointed in churches because they expect every person in the church, including the leaders and pastors, to be perfect. Right? Well, you know, do you see me putting on a cape every Sunday? No, I am more like Clark Kent with the glasses on, okay? Well, hey, Lewis, uh, Right? <laughs> Some of y'all got that. But listen, failed expectations always cause disappointment. If you're always disappointed in life, your expectations are unrealistic. If you go into something with reasonable expectations and prepared, you will be ready to deal with the issues when they arise. It won't catch you off guard. Now, so many walk away from Christ because of something a minister has done. Guess what? That's a lame excuse. Now, I get it. A minister who's impacted your life and they do something, you know, crazy, how it impacts you. I get it. But walking away from Christ... You see, your eyes should be on Jesus and realize that humanity is absolutely flawed. Now, of course, we got to walk in a high standard, but listen, not just the leaders, all of us as Christians, I, I always get a kick when someone, they, they lift up the minister higher than themselves. I'm thinking, you're a Christian too. What? You're down here. Oh, it's okay for you to do this, but you know, I mean, no mistakes can ever be made anywhere else. Listen, humanity is flawed. Are you following me? Your commitment toward uh, is toward the Lord Jesus Christ, not flawed humanity. Some people are just lazy and delusional and they'll try to find any excuse to not be accountable for their own actions. Have you figured that out yet? Come on, if you got kids, you know what I'm talking about, it's, uh, right? But here's, here's the deal. Let me say this. Many fallen ministers in the past they were preaching the pure Word of God. But you know what the problem was? Their personal life was out of order. Amen. Like, you know, someone... Let's just say like a Jimmy Swagger who fell in the past, right? People say, well, I am not. I don't listen to any of his old teachings because he fell. No, he was preaching the Word of God. He just wasn't living it. Are you following me? Be, uh, there, I'm telling you, there's one... Pastors are preaching to themselves as much as they're preaching to people. Are you following me? All right. So, so here's here's I gotta say this. With my knowledge and experience in the deliverance ministry, I've ministered to many full time pastors and their wives. And guess what? Nothing shocks me anymore. Guess what I found out about two weeks into it? Wow, ministers are human. They're not supposed to be doing that. Are you following me? (laughs) I'm not giving them a, a pass. What I'm saying is they're human. That's why you don't lift them up on a pedestal. Are you following me? You keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. They are human. They get caught up in the flesh just as easy as anyone else can. So here we go. So failed again. Failed expectations always cause disappointment. So like I said, so someone can come up and pray the sinner's prayer, right? And they think all their problems are going to be gone because they came to an altar and they prayed the sinner's prayer. And when persecution comes, when, when people start to come against them and want to leave their life because of coming to Christ... They're like, wait a minute, nobody has ever told me this is going to happen before. Well, let me tell you right now, you've been warned. You're, you Listen, and they base the, the, their conversion on wrong expectations and wrong motives. And because of that, there was no root on the inside of them. Christians, we need to grow roots that result in a true commitment for the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, a disciple, let me say it again, a disciple is in it for the long haul. Say long haul. Instead of coming to Jesus because they, you know, they realize, man, I'm a sinner in need of the Savior, they come to Him for the benefits and without the commitment that's required. The Word of God says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. Say, work it out. out. So take inventory of what you put value on in your life. Your expectations. are Are you finding yourself always arguing with your spouse? Maybe your expectations are too high. Are you following me? You find yourself you know, butting heads with someone too much. Maybe your expectations are a little unreasonable and you need to bring them down a little bit. And talk with the person. You ever heard of that? Communication? Is that good? It, it, it can work. Amen? Take inventory. You know, many of the, the worldly television shows, um, you know, many of the things on television is just pure trash. Let's just tell it like it is. Amen? All right. Now, there are a few clean shows with wholesome entertainment, but, but let's face it, they're far, few and far between, right? Most of the shows are filled with sex, drugs, violence, the occult. And the goal of these shows, the goal of Hollywood, is to desensitize you to the message that they're trying to portray. And I got, here's the evidence of it right here. Ready for this? Homosexuality. Oh, you can't turn the TV on. You can't even see a, a commercial on medication without two dudes kissing. Hey, come on! Now, so you know that to a Christian, that should be offensive. It's a it's an abomination. It grieves the heart of God, right? That but how many times now you you watch it over and over, and now people just kind of oh look at that. It desensit- that's exactly what the enemy's trying to do, desensitize us to things that displease God. Satan knows, listen to this, Satan knows that once you have believed in Christ and are saved, he knows that there's a slim chance that you're ever going to go back and not believe who Jesus is. Are you following me? So his mission is to desensitize you just enough to where there is no distinction between you as a Christian and the world. That's what he's trying to do. So the number, so number one, you won't move forward in your personal walk with God. Uh, or, or so you won't walk forward in, in your personal walk with God. Number two, that you won't stand up and proclaim the word of God and endure persecution for it because you've been so brainwashed by the world and you just kind of blend in. And we call them chameleon chameleon Christians. Say chameleon. A chameleon just kind of blends in. You ever see those snakes that that look like a tree, they have the same, you know, outline on their on their skin just like a a tree and and you can't see the difference between the tree or the snake. All of a sudden it pops up and you're like, "Whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute." Let's see? The enemy wants you to become a chameleon Christian. But when when in fact we're called to stand out. We're called to stand out. The enemy wants Christians, listen to this, to be addicted to acceptance by the world. And then you will make absolutely no impact for Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God on this earth. Now think of how foolish that is. Caring more about the opinions and expectation of people more than the one who has the power to throw you in the lake of fire for eternity. See, this this is the message. This is the perspective we need to get. Because we get so caught up in the flesh, we we care what other people think all the time. Oh, I I can't do that because, oh, you know, people aren't going to like me. They're not going to like me. And and God's saying, Hey, yo, I'm the one who can throw you in the lake of fire. And you're worried about that? Think about it. Let's get our let our get our stinking thinking fixed here, Amen. Amen. All right, so um, so here's what we need to do. We need to just prepare ourselves for tribulation. If you're living a holy life according to the Word of God, you will be persecuted. You will be looked at as a Jesus freak. They will call you a holy roller, and you just smile and say, "Well, yes, I am. I, I am absolutely right." you got to break the flow of the world okay now go with me uh, to first peter chapter 4 again here first peter 4 we're so addicted to acceptance by people all right first peter 4 1 through 4 It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, in lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these things, they, meaning your, fr- your old friends, they think it's strange that you do not run with them to the same fo- uh, flood of dissipation. Speaking evil of you. Has anyone experienced that yet? You got saved. You had to cut some people off. And they're like, dude, you have changed. Well, thank you very much. Yes, I have changed. I grew up. I got saved. But here, listen to this. The word of God says arm or prepare yourself by renewing your mind with the word of God. And that's what I'm trying to do today. I'm trying to As we go into this new year, let's get a a good perspective on life and our surroundings based on the Word of God, not on the world system. Verse 4 gives us a clue of the normal response that the world should have toward a person that's born again. Your unsafe friends, like I said, your unsafe friends and family members even will think it's strange that you don't hang out with them and partake in the sin. Now, now the Word of God says that Jesus had dinner. He ate with sinners, right? But listen to this. Jesus was hanging with them to change them. Okay. Now, some people aren't strong enough to do that. Amen. Let's just use some wisdom here. We are expecting, and you got the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. If you're truly born again, the Holy Ghost is on the inside telling you, listen, this person is no good for you. This person is trying to cut your relationship off with God. Come on, somebody. So why are there so many professing Christians that think they're saved and in right standing with God while being motivated by the very things that God hates? See, here's the thing: they're an enemy of God, and they don't even realize it. Why? Because they're making a God uh, in their of they're making a God of their own liking. They're making a God that suits them. You know what that's called? Idolatry you're making and worshipping your own image of god all right instead of the god who revealed himself in his word amen so so you know the body of christ as a whole we have done a horrible job proclaiming and teaching holiness Okay, as a requirement. We have holiness is looked at as a dirty word a lot of times in the body of Christ. They look at you like, oh, that's just old time stuff. But remember I told you this, the righteousness of God never expires. The righteousness of God never expires. If you look back at all the moves of God, if you look back at all the revivals and and the powerful moves of God that have happened, you will see... Every minister that, that led and, and head up that move of God, the Holy Spirit used, you want to know what the main topic was? Holiness. In fact, Charles Finney, he was, had such an anointing upon him, such a boldness about holiness. It said he would walk through a plant. And people would say, would just start dropping on the ground, crying, repenting of their sins. Just him walking the anointing that was upon him. Because he stood for holiness. I'm telling you, we want a move of God, we need to get serious and dig in with the holiness, our holiness walk. Amen? Oh, come on. First of all, listen to this. You've got to understand this. A lot of ministers don't talk about holiness for this reason. Are you ready for this? And I've heard people say this before. Are you ready? I'm letting out a little secret here. Here we go. Many leaders start to think this. Well, I'm not perfect, so I'm going to back down on the hard messages. I've actually heard ministers even tell me that. Well, I got my own issues. I'm just going to kind of back off on the hard holiness, you know, messages. And, and I, it, it, one minister, I said, hold on a minute. I said, whose message are you preaching? Your own or God's? You're an ambassador for Christ. I don't care. Yeah, you probably do have issues. But just because you got issues doesn't mean you water the word down. We are ambassadors, representatives for Christ. That's why I said pastors preach to themselves. Why? Because we're not preaching our own word. When you start preaching your own word, you're going to water the word down. Because you're going to base it on your own life and your own filthiness. Are you following me? So again, they back down. You, you look at any secret sensitive church. A lot of these ministers, they're, they're tied up, they're entangled in the world and worldly stuff, and, and they're, they're just backing off. Uh, we, we watched a um, documentary not too long ago about Hillsong. The Hillsong New York church, Carl Lentz. Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember that but he was the one they had a powerful megachurch going in New York City and then all these celebrities started coming in and he started hanging out with Justin Bieber and all this and finally they were starting to people would be out on the they would be in a different city Bieber and him and they had actually had video of him in bars drinking why because the world was influencing him than the than him influencing the world so he backed off on the holiness message. But listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but all the exposure that's happening, even in the last two weeks, even in this new, the turning of this new year, there is an exposure going on. And the Word of God says that judgment will begin where? In the house of God first. I'm telling you right now, so you got to understand, first of all, it's God's message that you are teaching and preaching and proclaiming to people, not your own based on your life. Because so, I hear a lot of people say, well, I can't witness. I, hear, I feel the anointing right now. Some people say, I can't witness because my own life is a mess. Well, guess what? Work on your, work on your own life, but you're an ambassador for Christ. You stick to His message. And as you're ministering to people, guess what's going to happen? It's going to affect your own heart. Don't back off because your life is a mess. Remember, you are an ambassador for Christ, a representative. Amen? Just because you have issues of your own life does not mean that you have to water down God's message. All right? All that is is fleshly thinking right there. All right? So, here we go. The preaching or speaking of the cross of Jesus Christ is foolishness to the world. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, it says, "For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God." See, your perspective of the cross of Jesus Christ reveals your current spiritual state right now. Do you think when when you hear preaching in in the preaching of the cross, do you, are you just like, oh, you're just kind of falling asleep, you know? Oh, here he goes again, the same old thing. That reveals that your filter's clogged. Your spiritual filter's clogged. All right? See, the world can't grasp the spiritual significance and reality of the cross. The unsaved are either trying to deny they have sin or simply they don't want to drop their pride and submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one or the other. The unsaved are spiritually dead because of that sin nature that's in their spirit, man. But unto us as Christians, it said the cross is the power of God that has, that has overcome all the weapons of Satan and the kingdom of darkness. Come on, listen to this. I found this interesting. Did you notice this? The verse says, to us who are being saved. It doesn't say to us who are saved. It says, to us who are being saved. I find that very interesting. The Greek word that's translated saved also means to be healed, delivered, protected, a soundness of mind, and a whole bunch of other things. The benefits of our salvation in Christ, what it's saying, it's ongoing, not just a one-time experience. Think about that. That's why it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's a It's a constant thing that needs to happen, amen? Listen, when you got born again, your mind wasn't saved. You have to renew your mind to us who are being saved. Come on, somebody, amen? So the benefits of our salvation in Christ are ongoing. If you need a healing, it's available now. If you need deliverance, it's available to you now. If you need protection, it's available to you now. If you need a sound mind, it's available to you right now. Again, we are not required to suffer with things that the Lord Jesus Christ has redeemed us from. Deuteronomy 28 talks about the curse of the law. Anything that fits in that, you've been redeemed from it. And you have the right to stand up against it through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So you need to ask yourself today, am I conforming to the world or being transformed by the Word of God? Am I being pressed into the mold of the world, or am I allowing the Word of God to transform me? Amen? Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but I give you my peace. If you need peace, it's available to you today. Amen? So listen, stay close to the Prince of Peace. And just like the Apostle Paul, you will be able to shake the dust off your feet. When persecution comes, and you'll be able to sing praises to God in the midst of it because you know your Redeemer lives. Amen? Let's stand up in this place. Don't ever back down. Don't ever back down. Whatever comes your way, don't ever back down. Take the persecution. It's a badge. It's a blessing. Prayer team, come on up. Now, maybe there's someone in this place you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, but today something gripped you on the inside something pricked your heart and you feel that talk i need to make him lord of my life today today is the day of salvation do not wait i want you to come to this altar right now come up to one of the prayer team members and we want to pray with you and then it's not just about a one time sinner's prayer it's about getting plugged in getting plugged in and becoming a disciple so the word can take root on the inside of you and that's what we want to help do here at living waters chapel amen now, maybe there's someone in here you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. If you're, you feel like you've been falling away, you've been conforming more than transforming. You've been conforming more than transforming. You need to come to this altar and just make it right with God today. Have a brand new start. Clear that spiritual filter. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism with the evidence of speaking in tongues, come on forward. We want to help you with that today you need a healing or prayer for anything else, we'll stay at this altar as long as you need. We want to minister to you today. So, all right, let me me say a prayer for the uh, fellowship and the food downstairs real quick. Father God, thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you that there is a spirit of wisdom and revelation in this building on this property, and you're ministering to every person in this place. And Lord God, I thank you for all the volunteers that have provided food, that have helped set this fellowship meal up. Lord, I pray a special blessing upon them, Lord God. And we ask that you would bless this food to our bodies, that you would bless the fellowship. Holy Spirit, this same anointing in this sanctuary, take it down to the fellowship room, Lord God, that we would have awesome fellowship, and we would get to know each other on a deeper level. And everybody said. Amen. Hey, give Ashley and everyone a hand that has set this up, everyone that has contributed to it. Praise God. All right, go ahead. Head downstairs if you're staying. If not, God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday or Sunday or hear you on the prayer call or whatever. God bless you all. Love you all.